you set up an account and people can donate money. They can request that you might want to chop the carrots in a slightly different way or perhaps get out the aubergine. The <laughs> sorry, I can't, I can't say it with a straight face. Look, it's a great platform, right? Welcome to the Media Week podcast, the podcast made for media people by media people. Don't worry, we're not your CEOs just yet, but today we are. We're going to switch it up a bit today with a bit of role play. I'm still Harriet, your host from Publicis. We have Jack from Craft. Hello. We have Bookie from Wavemaker. Yo, yo. And we have Charlie from MIQ. Please book in some time in my PA if you'd like to speak to me. <laughs> but today we are the top dogs for four big companies and we are going to decide what three things we would do in that company to change things up. Now, we've all been assigned companies. Charlie, you are CMO of ITV. Mm, okay. Jack, you are Chief Marketing Officer of OnlyFans. What? Are you, are you having a... Really? Okay. Buki. What is OnlyFans? <laughs> well, you can explain. Okay. I'll, as, I'll Google as it. Chief Marketing <laughs> Officer. As the Chief Marketing Officer. Buki, you are CMO of X, formerly known as Twitter. Okay. Elon. Love Elon, that. you Love look that great. Guy. And I am CEO of Roblox, not Roadblocks, as I previously referred to it in a former episode. <laughs> Out of your job in no time. <laughs> So what are we again? Are we CMOs or CEOs? Top dogs. Because it would make sense if we... Well, okay, we're just top dogs. Charlie, (laughs) starting with you, the CMO of ITV, what three things would you do in ITV to change things up for the better? And please, we need your answers from a media perspective here. Media perspective, okay. Um, hmm. What am I doing? I mean, I'm not sure how wide-ranging my CMO role is but like to think that I'm just pissing off everyone by taking a bit of their job but um I guess like first thing I would look at and this probably again isn't necessarily the commercial mind of ITV is but is looking at the state of how people are consuming TV more and more it's becoming and we've chatted about this before like lots of different platforms that people are engaging with and as one of the companies we would like to work closely with, but not MIQ, they're more and more looking at how they can aggregate different different partners together. But whenever we've spoken about trying to work with ITVX, it's been very limited in what we can do. So actually, how can I open up ITVX to start actually plugging into it where more and more advertisers are looking, saying, how can I put a little bit of my pot across all of these? I would open up ITVX to actually allow partners to flood into that a little bit more and actually look at the, the sort of video spread across different channels more so and how we can plug do, into that. Do you think that ITVX opening up access to their platform would be beneficial to ITV though? If you're if you've got your big ITV bowler hat on. So it's it's a lot it's part of my long term strategy sort of principles. Have you not read the manifesto I sent around the company? No, funny, email? funny enough not. <laughs> of course you don't work at the same company as it, sadly. <laughs> but I think certainly short term the money is in keeping it there, but I think there should be over the next five years a plan to how they open that up because naturally I think you're seeing erosion of those big classic sort of channel sales houses slowly seeing more loss to various different platforms so actually at some point that power is going to be so eroded our power it's going to be so eroded that we have to start thinking about how we can plug into that so certainly not in the short term but long term might be building that out do you not think that makes it a bit of a race to the bottom in terms of pricing though for like you're just going to be driving your the overall value of your of your ad property down no 
Sorry, I'm I'm getting my grill out. <laughs> no, no, no. I think um, yeah, having thought about it for five minutes, I'm, I'm really <laughs> I'm really firm in this that I think you can still keep the costing at that because the brand name is still so strong with with sort of ITV. So I'd hope you'd keep the costing at that. It's just allowing more partners to plug into it rather than being a set. Oh, we don't buy TV typically. You know, smaller agencies who don't buy TV would maybe say, oh, we wouldn't go anywhere near ITV. Whereas if you can plug into that easily programmatically, then actually you can start saying, oh, we can add that to our... I think the interesting thing, sorry, Harry, I know you're going to say something with that is because um, I've recently actually been watching a lot of ITVX, a lot of the kind of drivers and stuff they got on there. And one thing that I have found is that the ads actually do get quite repetitive because I think because they don't plug into some of these things and I'll be like, I'll get an ad and I'm like, that's not even for me. And being in the ad industry, I'm literally like, surely they've got the data to be actually like, I'm on my IP address all day. You must know the kinds of stuff that I'm actually interested in. I don't need this. So I think their ability to plug into more programmatic partners and exploit, you know, the rich data that they have would allow for, you know, better targeting advertising and just a little bit less creative fatigue. Because I found myself being like, here we go, this advert again. Even even the adverts which have been banging, because I do like an advert. I mean, I know I, I know I work in the industry, but I do like an advert. But there's been a few times I thought this was great the first 18 times I saw it today. And now I don't want to see it anymore. So... I, I agree, CMO. So in a nutshell, Charlie, because we're conscious you've got two more initiatives to go. Don't in a nutshell, wrap up that approach. So yeah, building up the long-term strategy about how you can buy ITV inventory programmatically. Great. Point two. Point two actually really comes in nicely with, with Bookie's point there around looking at frequency and in general, third-party measurement. A lot of the frustration we hear, or I've heard in my previous role, uh, <laughs> is around actually how much measurement you can do and ITV feedback a lot of data to you. But actually, when you're looking across all these platforms, you want to see what's your incremental reach of each one of those channels. And, you know, actually, how can I measure the brand uplift it got from it? More and more TV and I guess digital sort of BVOD is being scrutinized by actually how can we measure it like you can measure other digital channels so actually being able to onboard those third-party pixels to say things like you know incrementality measurement i think they just recently what well, we recently just onboarded being able to see sort of click uplift from website based upon when the ads were on through tv squared basically bringing more and more of that on so actually people can start looking at their plans seeing at the value maybe that's why we haven't done it yet because it might not be as favorable but i think that's again something that advertisers are crying out more for Nice. Cool Very cool. I have I have a feeling this this CMO might be slightly biased against the world of Bevo and TV. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think so too. Has he, he come from a programmatic video background? Trying <laughs> to bring us into the 21st Not century. <laughs> no biases here. And your final point, please, Charlie. This is maybe a hot take, but sadly, for the next season we've had to cancel Love Island. It's just we realized we've been doing a lot of work around IT scores. Uh, IT, IQ scores. Um, you can see it's already happening to me one episode and I can feel the brain power is just melting away. And for the future of this generation, we need to make sure that there is no I more, no more IT. I've got, I've got a pitch for you. I've got a pitch for you. Replace Love Island with Hate Island. You flip everything on its head and then everyone marvels as love still triumphs over all of the setup trying to pitch people against each other. Hunger Games with... (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be something like Battle Royale meets Hunger Games meets Love Island. There you go. You can have that one for free. Awesome. Yeah, well, uh, I'll I'll pitch it to the creatives. I'm I'm going straight to Ofcom. I don't know what... I'm I'm not happy with this. No way. (laughs) 
I love it. Well, thank you very much, CMO of ITV. How long do you reckon he's going to last in the job? Exactly. I'll give him two and a half weeks. I was going to say, I don't think he'd reach probation. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of offers from programmatic partners, though. <laughs> well, now moving on to the CMO of Roblox, me, for this episode only. Do you like, shall I ask you, rather than you asking yourself and us nodding? <laughs> yes, that would be really helpful. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> so moving on to the CEO of Roblox. Hello. So what's your first thing you're going to do as you've booted down the door to the world of the metaverse? Well, let's assume that I've been there at least three weeks. So I, okay. I know all about Roblox, what their offering is, etc. You've not Played been, the game not been, fired times. Or, not been fired or disciplined just yet. No, not okay. just yet. So the first thing I would do is facilitate a corporate agency roadshow. And that would mean I'd go into different agencies, both creative, media, etc., and show them how they can migrate from platforms like like comms platforms like Teams and stuff mm-hmm. to immersive Roblox office like environments. So it shows them how kind of remote working can be immersive. And mm. so more agencies understand how they can migrate into the platform and thus will be able to sell that into their brands. Now, that I'm not... was actually, go on, sorry. No, go on. I, I, no, no, please. I, I, I didn't know where that was going. And I absolutely love that because you're right. It's a Gen Z platform. Obviously, I think I was doing some research on this and I think the age demographic is like 50-50 under 13s versus over 13. So 50% of the Roblox demographic is under 13. How are we supposed to know exactly what we are kind of planning? Like we can plan TV, we can plan so we because we use those things. But with that one, it's a lot more difficult. So to integrate it into our working lives, to actually show us how it's used and then allow us to better sell that into our brands yeah i'm not gonna lie that sounds like hell on earth <laughs> like, well, I, i'd love to do that so roblox hit me up i can be your publicist rep. so well the thing is when you buy roblox you buy it through a company called playwire who sell it in the uk so they will they would be the people you'd want to send out wait but this is just regular advertising within roblox yeah yeah but like also like all of the collaborations and partnerships you could do I think yeah, there's, well, a couple, there's a couple of studios. Let me get I to my second comment. Sorry, 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 Madam yeah. CEO. Yeah. No problems. I what's need to se- assert the- a bit of dominance, don't yeah, I, yeah, as CMO. <laughs> so be quiet. <laughs> okay. What's your second thing you're going to do? Um, my second thing is define an ideal product launch roadmap by category. So I'd have all the products and brands that I want to appear in Roblox in some way, shape or form and get everyone in the team. I don't know which team yet because I'm still understanding the business departments of the company, Mm -hmm. but define the best places within Roblox to launch them and pitch them to the brands. So if it was, for example, Mulberry, that's luxury handbags, I'd kind of discuss how I could create like an immersive experience similar to the likes of Gucciville. And, and talk around how they could be placed and have a roadmap of all the products, like whether that's food and beverage, cosmetics, luxury, and see where they, they, they're best placed. Nice. Ooh, I like that. I mean, obviously, if you're going to go and launch this to market, you're going to need to have some good stash that you're giving, you know, to the agencies and to the advertisers. Is it virtual stash? What, what, what are you coming to them with? That's very true. Well, I'll talk to them about the benefits of the virtual economy on Roblox and what Robux is, which is Roblox's economy. Cash monies. And then get them hyped up for it 
in the same way that I'd be like, invest in crypto if I was the, you know, CEO of crypto. Are you bribing them with virtual currency? Is that, is that? I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. No one's ever bribed anyone in media, Charlie. No, that's true. That's true. My third and final initiative within Roblox as a CMO is I would define or develop a game developer's immersion day, which basically means that the whole company would go like speed dating with the game developers to Mm. understand what they're actually doing to improve the gaming experience online. Firstly, that would give people who don't have a a techie background more of an understanding of of the platform and the metaverse in general but second of all they probably learn more around the cyber security elements because presumably and again I'm not an expert in this but presumably the gaming developers now need to have a level of knowledge about the cyber security stuff in order to be able to develop stuff in the right way so it would be like a speed dating stuff with all like I don't know four of the gaming gamers basically (sighs) That sounds re- that sounds really really You've blown good. Blow me away. Today. I like that. Harriet for CEO for sure. Yeah, you I mean, blow me away today. that's uh, that's you passing your probation. Congratulations. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That that's me. So um, yeah, Harriet Davis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not the low plug. Oh, Jesus. Uh, right. Shameless. Well, that that wraps my points up. Buki, you are CEO of X, formerly Twitter. Yes. Well. That was a, that's a tough act to follow, I'm not going to lie. And my paper does not have as many words on it as that. There's going to be a lot of scrutiny from the business community. Exactly. So, so first and foremost, the very first thing I'm going to do is lay low. I'm going to lay very low. I'm not going to say a damn thing to anyone <laughs> for a long time. Just the whole business. We're not, not going to hear a peep out of us. We're going to be <laughs> silent until everyone kind of forgets everything that just happened. Because they will. News Mm -hmm. will overtake us and then they'll just be like, oh man, what happened with X? And at that point, we're going to pop up and be like, yo, we have fixed brand safety. Everything's brand safe. Everything that Elon did, uh, my predecessor, has been reversed. We've got people who are actually checking for all this stuff so we can at least finally start getting some ad revenues back. Because some people are still spending on Twitter. I have said this before and I think I ended up cutting it because it sounded real harsh, but... People who were spending on Twitter during all of this controversy, I think that was quite a wild decision. And I think a lot of ad revenues drained out in the face of all of that. So we're going to lay low and then we're going to... Sorry, these were... I, I, I'm supposed to let you guys chat, but I didn't. Is this is this one... Is this points one and two? What points one and two, sorry. So lay I've low. Got, I've got an idea. Okay. Because you're, you're the, the CEO, you should invest some resource into developing some kind of generative AI that can scan for hateful, racist, homophobic content, which is kind of proliferating quite strongly on the platform. Yes. And then you could deal with it rather than having to make some cool person sift through everything. And, exactly. So that's yeah. it. So we're going to lay low. Number two, we're going to focus on brand safety. Whilst we will have, we still need that human interaction. We mm-hmm. still need the human the human touch to make sure the AI is doing what the AI needs to do. We're going to make sure that, you know, the people in the room are from all sorts of communities because there is a huge thing with AI in it being biased in terms of certain demographics or certain communities within the world. So making sure that there's someone who's helping bring all of that in, who understands the whole landscape to make sure that the brand safety element is tip top and advertisers can feel that this is a safe and secure home for their advertising dollars. On the laying low part, what's yes. your what's your approx timing for being kind of silent? 
until someone says, where's where's X at? <laughs> okay. Good uh, methodical approach to it there. Though. Yeah. And you're not doing any kind of like cool PR stunts to get it a... back on the radar and back on a... the... Ain't doing a damn thing, I think. Because the thing with... Twitter I think when you think about Twitter's growth it was quite organic like they weren't just like yo let's well there might have been a few like launches and stuff but it grew organically when people were you know using it as this micro blogging site you tell your friends about it da -da 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 -da, and it would just kind of grow from there I think we need a complete revamp of that if you're going to change the name of a company like that you're putting quite a big stake in the ground that it's a very different company but so you can't then just springboard off where that company was you need to start again build up this new persona but you're the boss you're the big boss you could literally just like handbrake turn and then like right we're, do you know what Here's that was bird. that was dumb guess what we are again and go back to being twitter and you can just reclaim all of that cachet because no no one started saying oh i've, I've x'd them everyone yeah. still says twitter and tweets and stuff and the, so it's not too late and the thing is i did think about that i did think about that but i mm. think there is actually something to be said for x i think that there is potential growth um, mm -hmm. in the name. And I think there were negative connotations that Twitter did have. Everyone knew it as yeah. an inherently negative space. And they were, even though we're talking about reversing the brand safety issues, but it weren't perfect to begin with. There always have been, and there always has been that kind of element of brand safety. So I think to be able to be like, right, we're going to ax all of that. The premise is the same. We're still here for, you know, conversations, microblogging, memes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But we are going to start from a place of increased brand safety driven by generative AI with a human touch. Thank you very much, Jack. And so I think that there is an opportunity to make something even bigger and better than Twitter was. And like you said, people will still probably say tweet. Like we can call it X and you can still tweet on X. That's fine. Like, you know, what was the ad that about? Is it all four and four OD? They still call that stuff four OD, even though it's all four. Like it might, even though we change the name, people can say what they want. It's it's still going to be what it is. So, yeah, Buki, what what's point three or was point three within that spiel? Spiel, wow. Sounding very Elon with yeah. this, you know, this. It's all gone to her head already. I'm getting into character. My last point was, I think as Twitter, I would do more partnerships with sports and live events. I think that was always an area that our predecessor was very, very strong in that kind of collecting people around events, even things like X Factor or Britain's Got Talent, people will often go to check out the hashtag, see what people are saying, see what the conversation is about it. And even now to this day, I watch Love Island and I will go straight to Twitter just to see what people are saying, just see what the, the conversation is. What are people lolling out? What are people backing? What are people not backing? Mate, why, don't, why don't you just bring back the X Factor. That'd be a great right, partnership. Bring, bring back the X Factor. You could partner with ITV. Yeah. You could, and that then you've got like good. X and ITV. You could have the ITV X Maybe Factor. That's our, it's that's, all on the streaming yeah. platform. And then you you just whip up a Vote, media tweet, storm around whatever, it. Yeah, that might be our relaunch. I know you said we're going to do any big stunts, yeah, but maybe that's our well, relaunch yeah. one. So I think that's a nice idea. So that's my main my main Fantastic. thing. Let's focus on the areas that we're good in and you know sort out the areas that we've Thank been Thank you, Buki. Well, it wasn't long until we saw our, our big dogs collab so that's great moving on to our our final big dog jack cmo of, that, that, that's his handle i think on the platform isn't it of only fans so jack 
Tell so, us your three points. Bear so, in mind, you've only got 10 minutes, so bear, don't waffle Bear in on. mind that during, while, whilst, whilst I was arranging the collab between ITV and X, I was also Googling what OnlyFans is. So it says that it's a platform for creators to be able to earn their own money for themselves. So I think that that's going to be really, really important, right? Because it's a platform and the product isn't necessarily the platform. It's the creators on it. So, for example, if you're a very enthusiastic chef... And you're looking to do some, make some money out of your cookery course videos. You might set up a, 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 a let's face it, it's not going to be a chef, but you know, you, you set up an account and people can donate money. They can request that you might want to chop the carrots in a slightly different way, or perhaps get out the aubergine. The <laughs> sorry, I can't, I can't say it with a straight face. It's a great platform, right? And if we if we think about what you would actually do if you wanted to try and grow that platform, currently the model is based on the fact that the talent are the ads. So across various other social platforms, it's linking back to OnlyFans as a channel that is the the kind of the means that draws people to the platform. So. I think if you were going to look at it from a media planning perspective, it's quite an interesting challenge because, I mean, I don't know what their challenges are, whether or not they're growing, but they seem, you know, they seem to be doing reasonably well, according to their Wikipedia. So I think that if you were going to do anything straight off the bat, I think there's some interesting opportunities with collaborating with other brands. So I'm sure if you did a deep dive into the type of content available on OnlyFans, you'd be able to select partners that would chime with that content. So, for example, there might be specialist retailers online who sell the sorts of products that might go quite well with the types of content made. For example, a Japanese knives company, you know, selling uh, specialist knives for chefs online. So, um, so you could do some sort of collab there. So are you almost like growing the scope of OnlyFans to be like a micro-influencer agency as well, like somewhat within that? Like we've seen this person has this many subscribers and then now they can promote your product it's almost like paid tiktok almost it's almost, it's like if you had tiktok but everyone you subscribe to you had to pay them so you couldn't yeah. just watch it you had to that's what i'm getting uh, from yeah what i think saying. i think that yes yeah, so that's spot on so like you look at collabs across like the whole brand itself but i think that's actually a really good shot i mean i know i've not followed the three point format here but you'll forgive me because i'm thinking on my feet the <laughs> like i think com the commercialization of the platform for specific types of products could be a really interesting one so that's where i kind of look and then also i think about where there's a company that maybe has encountered a degree of controversy and i know that i always bang on on this podcast about the fact that i think that purpose is mostly a load of bollocks i think that if you actually were to find a way of giving back and doing good there are probably specific ways that you could that you could do some good because obviously it's a very lucrative platform you know are there ways of ensuring that some of that money is diverted into good causes that could help potentially assuage any negative pr and general pearl clutching that tends to come mm. when you get to a sort you know the sort of content that perhaps could find its way onto the OnlyFans platform strategic so just back to your first point my yeah. only question with this is why would the audience pay to mm. download cooking content if we're still on the, the cooking? It could it could be origami. Or origami. If they can consume that content for free on other platforms like YouTube and TikTok. Right. right. But on this, you could go to the... You, it's the 
Uh, that's a very good question, but I, I, I think help, it's... Pro- I can help if you... If you, go, if you go, like. I'm going to defer to my new um, head of engagement. <laughs> I can help. It's the, it's the same argument in like, you know, why would someone pay to go to the gym when they can jog outside? There's a different level of quality when you know. So you don't just go and pay for the content. You have to see the content and know that it's of the quality that you want for. So and you get a I PT. Exactly. You get a PT. And it might also be in direct competition with like physical cooking classes. I might not go to a physical cooking class, but I might have a. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> I didn't even hear that till I said it. I didn't even hear that till I said it. Realized, but in cooking all... is a euphemism. <laughs> See, I actually wasn't using it. It's, it's not. It's a... It wasn't. It's true. And because I had researched this about this platform quite a while ago, and it is known for this particular type of content, chefs cooking classes so you might not go to a physical cooking class you might do a virtual cooking class instead which is cheaper so i think that you and your friends could get together all and all do it together right i, I don't know about it go that <laughs> Cook far. some spicy food <laughs> that is that's the main thing you don't ruin that if you expand only fans mm. to include other things other than the existing kind of content that that's mm. on it how would you approach it without alienating the core Subscribe. Well, I think that, I think that's that's a really uh, the the core meat of the subscribers. You, you are that? coming out with some absolute shyness <laughs> today. Um, I so a few years ago, one of my predecessors at the company did try and diversify away from the kind of core of the culinary spicy culinary content at the at, at its centre, and. Yeah, it didn't go amazingly well. I think you need to embrace the types of content that your platform is attracting and find ways of making that even more commercially viable because ultimately I'm here to make everyone a little bit richer. So those are the things that I would do, Harriet. Thank you very much. And I'd just like to say on behalf of everyone here at uh, Jack Winter Enterprises, (laughs) thanks for giving me that that brand. That was a really, (laughs) really nice of you. You're so welcome, Jack. Well, that wraps up a slightly different episode for this week's podcast. If you like what you heard, let us know. Write to us on Media Anon and say, yes, you could be the next top dog of X company. I don't mean literally the X company, (laughs) but, you know, the various companies we discussed. Please remember to like and subscribe and look at the show notes also.